Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today we're asking, why are sloths so slow? But what if they don't think they're slow? Shouldn't the question be, why are we so fast? Well, from our perspective, sloths move in slow motion, but they have a surprising skill that makes them difficult to study. We'll find out how a sloth scientist got crafty enough to discover why slowness is a sloth's secret to survival. Today we have a question from our listener, Elena. Why are sloths so slow? Who said I'm slow? (laughs) Is that your sloth impression? I can run very fast (laughs) for a sloth. (laughs) Sloths are slow And Elena had an idea Of why they might be so sluggish I think sloths are slow Because of the eucalyptus leaves they eat Like the leaves they eat Do sloths eat eucalyptus? I thought sloths lived in South America I think koalas are the slow-moving eucalyptus fans, but Elena's right that sloths eat leaves, and she thinks those leaves might give scientists a clue as to why sloths are slow. Um, They could take some leaves and like look into them with a microscope and other scientific things that could help them figure out if the eucalyptus leaves or any kind of leaves have anything to do with slowness. So maybe like the all-leaf diet is what's slowing sloths down, and if they switched to hamburgers, they'd be sprinting (laughs) up there with a cheetah. (laughs) Well, let's ask our listeners... Why do you think sloths are so slow? And how do you think scientists would find out the answer? Take a minute to think about it. And we'll be back with the sloth scientists to discover the secret to sloth slowness. I can't wait. Rebecca Cliff has been studying sloths since before they were cool. When I first started working with sloths 14 years ago, nobody knew what a sloth was. I'd say to people, I'm a sloth scientist. And they were like, what? What is a sloth? People didn't know what a sloth is? It's crazy, but it's true. Somebody asked me if a sloth was a type of mosquito once. Um, I always remember that. But now if I say I'm a sloth scientist, people are like, oh my God, you've got the best job in the world because everyone loves sloths. That's true. Everyone is obsessed with sloths and how weird they are because they're weird. (laughs) They are weird, but Rebecca didn't know anything about sloths the first time she met one. And I remember that my first thought was like, they're like aliens, Right, I just started laughing because they're so weird. You might think sloths are weird from pictures or what you've seen on the internet, but when you meet one, there's something really, really otherworldly about them. Wait, so here's the thing is I already think sloths are pretty weird, so it's hard to imagine them being even weirder than that. We're just not used to that level of slowness in person. And I think what it is is because... 
they don't just move infrequently they move slowly and every single part of their body moves slowly so like when they turn their head it's very slow when they blink it's slow it's almost like somebody's put them in slow motion okay well so to ask elena's question why why are they so slow well that's what rebecca set out to discover when she ventured into the jungle to study sloths so in terms of understanding their slow movements, yeah, it was really a case of, okay, I need to go out into the jungle and I need to spend as much time as I possibly can hanging out with sloths and just watching them and learning from them and trying to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, um, which is a really difficult thing to do because you can't walk up to a sloth and say, excuse me, why are you doing this? I think mostly because it would just take them so long to explain. <laughs> like Jane Goodall did with chimpanzees, Rebecca set herself up to take careful observations of sloths in their native habitat. She quickly discovered it wasn't as easy as she thought it would be. I walk out into the jungle with my binoculars like, I'm going to research sloths and I'm going to go and watch them. You can't watch them because you can't see them. Sloths are so well camouflaged, they are nearly impossible to spot. And when she did spot them, they somehow managed to disappear in front of her very eyes. I can be with a sloth one minute and I'll look away. And five minutes later, the sloth is gone. Cannot see it. And I will spend all day looking for that one sloth in that one tree and I still can't see it. I don't know where it's gone. Where'd the sloth go? (laughs) You know it didn't sprint away. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) They're just amazing hiders, like number one at hide-and-go-seek, except for the go park. (laughs) Yeah, hide and just sit there. (laughs) And this is really what led me to, to come up with the theory that sloths are slow, not because they're lazy and not just because it saves them energy, but also because it's a really great way to survive in the jungle. Wait, so being slow is a great way to survive in the jungle? Because, I don't know, there's lots of creatures in the jungle that are pretty fast, and it seems like you'd have to be faster than them to get away. Well, being slow is an uncommon strategy, but it works for sloths for good reason. You don't need energy, and you don't need to run away if nobody knows where you are. Yeah, that's fair. If nobody knows where you are, you don't need to run. (laughs) Exactly. But as cool as Sloth's sneaky survival skills are, their slow stealth makes it really hard to understand their behavior, which may be why they were named a word for lazy rather than a word for clever. The thing that makes them so good at surviving in the jungle is also the thing that makes people misunderstand them so much because they're invisible. We can't understand them because we can't see them. So, yeah, it's been a journey. (laughs) Wait, so how do you actually study sloths if they're just totally invisible? Are we sure they're not just made up? (laughs) They are real. (laughs) How do we know if we can't see them? If if we know one thing, it's that sloths are real. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Well, maybe we should ask our listeners what they'll do in Rebecca's situation. How would you study an animal that's incredibly good at camouflaging itself? And when we come back from this quick break, we'll find out how this sloth scientist 
figured out a solution. Okay, so Rebecca came up with a theory about why sloths are slow, but their invisibility skills frustrated her attempts to study them. So what did she do? Did she just like go home and be like, I guess I'm going to go study another animal? (laughs) I hear slow lorises are in these days. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca was not going to give up on sloths. She was going to figure out a way to study them. This took uh, many years, actually. And it started with me knowing that we needed to use some technology to help us understand sloths, because just using my eyes wasn't working. Rebecca knew a scientist who had built a tiny device that could be attached to animals and track everything they were doing, whether you could see them or not. It's called a daily diary, and Rebecca wanted to try it out on sloths. And it's basically a little data logger that records everything that the animal does, almost as if the animal is writing a diary. That's a good way to get around the fact that sloths can't write because they can't hold a pen. (laughs) Exactly. The Daily Diary would never lose track of the sloths the way that Rebecca did, because it was actually attached to it. The tracker could record around the clock in a way that humans never could. That sounds perfect. But Rebecca had another problem. How could she get the Daily Diary to stay on the sloth? We tried taping it to their fur. We tried putting it um, on a collar around the neck. What kind of tape do you use to stick something to a sloth? Is there sloth tape? (laughs) (laughs) Well, suffice to say, (laughs) the sloth tape didn't work. And neither did the collar. The sloths would scratch at it or the device would move around too much. So I thought, well, let's try a little, like, harness, a backpack. A sloth backpack? I feel like I've definitely seen backpacks in the shape of sloths. But what would a backpack for a sloth be like? (laughs) It doesn't also look like a sloth. (laughs) So no one had ever sewn a backpack for a sloth. And Rebecca had to make it herself. She started with a trip to the fabric store. Oh my gosh, I love scientists. (laughs) I bought some elastic and I bought a needle and a thread and I started sewing a harness for a sloth and figuring out how it can go around the shoulders and the chest, but not bother the sloth. I can just imagine her going into a fabric store and saying, listen, um, I need a backpack that won't fall off of a sloth. (laughs) Can you help me with a design? It was an unusual situation. And (laughs) Rebecca told me that she wasn't really prepared in school to become a sloth seamstress. Even today, my sewing is terrible. My mum would be ashamed. (laughs) But that didn't stop Rebecca from trying out her idea. This is what it's like being a scientist. Everybody thinks that um, being a scientist, there's like a proper way to do things. But actually, being a scientist is all about muddling through and doing DIY projects. So basically, she's saying all scientists are real do-it-yourselfers. Definitely the ones that work with animals. After some trial and error, Rebecca came up with a sloth backpack design that worked. And she custom sewed them for a number of sloths that they found and then released back into the wild. This was the best way. They weren't bothered by it at all. 
it was stay secure enough that it wouldn't catch on any branches or get um, tangled anywhere. And yeah, it just worked really well. And we're still using them today. <laughs> That's so cool and kind of adorable. So what did she find out from the backpacks that she couldn't see before? Yeah, we've um, found lots of interesting things. One of my favorites is that <laughs> sloths actually fall out of the tree on average once a week for their entire lives. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they just fall. <laughs> just like, oops, bump. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and here's how Rebecca found it out. We discovered that with the backpacks because the backpacks have pressure sensors in. So what we'd see when we analyze the data is this huge change in pressure. At first, Rebecca and her team didn't know what they were looking at. Pressure measures how much force is on the sloth. The moment I, I really knew it was falling out the tree is because I saw one of the sloths wearing a backpack fall out the tree. So I noted down what time it happened. Um, and then when I looked back at the data, I could see it. And I was like, oh, that's exactly what we've been seeing at all these other times as well. <laughs> I kind of can't with this. There's a sloth with a backpack falling out of the tree. <laughs> it's too much. It's just too much. <laughs> Are you crying? Yes. It's too much. <laughs> Marshall's literally wiping away his tears right now. <laughs> I'm just Sloths and backpacks falling out of trees. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're basically adapted to fall from trees because their favorite food is the young leaves at the tips of branches. And to get to those leaves, they have to navigate on some really delicate twigs. Um, and those often break with the sloth's body weight. So they do fall out of trees very frequently. Um, and they can fall up to 100 feet and survive. They actually bounce slightly when they hit the floor. <laughs> they can fall 100 feet and survive. They bounce. They bounce. <laughs> yes, and you will not, you will lose it at this because there's another reason why they might fall from trees. <laughs> oh, no. The aim of a sloth fight is actually to knock the other sloth out the tree. Ah, sloth fights. <laughs> Is each round of a sloth boxing match 45 minutes long? <laughs> they hang on each other and they, they do a little bit of biting and a little bit of clawing at each other. But mostly they try and like, get each other's limbs off the branches. So they're trying to pull each other off and then the, the loser falls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So like <laughs> falling must be the fastest that they ever move by like kind of a lot. <laughs> I can only imagine how it would feel to a sloth to be, like, plummeting <laughs> hundreds <laughs> of feet out of the sky. <laughs> like being on a roller coaster times a thousand. <laughs> it is incredible. So to get back to Elena's question of why sloths are usually so slow, Rebecca's shown us that it's an uncommon but effective survival strategy. That's why sloths are built for slowness. So they digest everything really, really slowly. And they don't get very much energy from that. So they can't run away if there's a predator. So they have to remain unseen in order to survive. 
So it's kind of like like a balancing act where sloths don't need to eat too much because they're just not using that much energy. Yeah, most animals choose the opposite strategy. They move quickly in order to eat enough food and get enough energy to survive. But sloths don't need to. <laughs> they just sit there. <laughs> Hiding. <laughs> Solid strategy. It takes them a full month to digest one leaf. <laughs> So Lena was onto something, thinking it's about what sloths eat. Leaves might not make them slow, but they are part of the story of their super slow powers. Their tummies are always full, so they only eat a little bit. So they don't need to move around looking for food and, and running away from predators. So they can actually stay quite still and quite quiet. Yeah, being slow is actually a genius move. I'll think about that next time. I don't want to get off the couch to get more Doritos. <laughs> Well, the brilliance and also the appeal of being slow is actually a huge part of what motivated Rebecca to start studying sloths in the first place. I think there was a, a big part of me that really um, idolized the sloths for their way of life. And I wanted to better understand it so that people could also learn from it as well and see why that lifestyle might actually, actually be beneficial for us. That's incredible. Sloth. The lifestyle. Don't the glamour. Move. Stay hidden. <laughs> it's aspirational. <laughs> but to be real, slowness does have its disadvantages for sloths. Right now, their habitat is being affected by human activities, and sloths have trouble picking up the pace to adapt to changes. And it's hard to know how they're dealing with it. One of the many things nobody knows about sloths is how many they are or how vulnerable they are because nobody can see them. You can't count an animal that you can't see. Rebecca's new project is training dogs to sniff out sloth scat or poop, which is a way to estimate how many sloths are living in the area. Once more, being a scientist, a lot more time dealing with poop <laughs> hey. than you'd think. <laughs> It works. And that's what Rebecca's learned about doing science. You have to figure out what works and go with it. To be a good scientist, you have to be a good problem solver. There's no, um, there's no rule book and there's no instruction manual. Um, if you're going to study something that's never been studied before, you're going to have to make it up. Yeah, I feel like figuring out how to design a sloth backpack is a prime example of that. <laughs> who knew that they could wear one, and who knew that it would look so charming? <laughs> and it does some pretty good science, too. <laughs> nice side effect. <laughs> the primary thing is sloths with backpacks. <laughs> Secondary, learning about sloths. <laughs> yes. Now that you learned how Rebecca created a sloth backpack to help her study sloths, think of your favorite animal and what you'd have to design in order to study it. How would you design something that would stay on your favorite animal's body? And what kind of information would it collect? Draw a picture of your design on your favorite animal. Or if you're feeling crafty, make a model out of materials that you might have lying around. You can sew or just use tape and glue like special sloth tape. <laughs> And tell us what you created. We'd love to hear about it. Thanks today to Dr. Rebecca Cliff, 
founder and director of the Sloth Conservation Foundation. To learn more about what it's like to be a sloth scientist, listen to our bonus interview episode with Rebecca, available to patrons who pledge just $1 or more a month on patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. There's lots more to learn about Rebecca's sloth conservation work. We'll have links to all the best resources from Sloth Conservation Foundation, or SLOWCO for short. Oh, that's great. (laughs) That's on the blog on our website, sciencepodcastforkids.com where you'll also find a free transcript for this episode. Sarah Robertson-Lentz edited this show and designed all the episode art. Elliot Hajaj is our production assistant. And Gary Calhoun-James engineered and mixed this episode. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I made all the music and sound design for this episode. Tumble is a production of Tumble Media. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Thanks so much for listening to that episode, and now that it's over, we've got some birthday shoutouts to give to our supporters on Patreon. To Otto, Mom, Dad, Margo, and Joss love you so much and love getting to hear about all the great science facts that you learn, and happy birthday on March 3rd. Happy birthday to Ivy on March 4th. Happy birthday on March 7th to Rosalie. Mommy and Daddy love your passion for all things science. Keep exploring and learning. To Henry, happy birthday on March 8th. Mom and Dad love you. To Evan, happy birthday on March 10th. Stay curious for science. Happy birthday on March 13th to Russell. Dad and mom love listening to Tumble with you and wondering what life would be like if we all had a sometimes but. I wonder that too, Russell. Uh, Happy birthday on March 14th to my fellow musician, Ephraim. Thanks for sharing your music with the world, buddy. Parker, happy birthday also on March 14th. Keep learning about science because science is awesome. To Brady, Mama and Mommy are so proud of you and your love of all things science. They hope you have an amazing birthday on March 15th. Happy birthday, finally, to James on March 16th. Your family loves you, buddy. Keep questioning and stretching your mind. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you want to get a birthday shout-out of your own, like these fine folks, simply support Tumble on Patreon at the $5 level or higher by going to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast.